Weiter We have a list on our website, warrocketajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special for December. 2023. Wait, 2023? I you can tell how tired I am. Already. We're from the future. 2023. Uh, no, 2023. It's the last episode of this program for 2023. My name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here to rank stories with me. Did you just say for 2023? Oh damn! If it was for 2023, damn. You can tell where you can tell where old Matt Weedson's head is at. Yeah, you can tell what I got my stocking. the The grass man is in is in the house. <laughs> it was socks. What I got in my stocking was socks. Wait, uh, wait, wait! You got you got socks in your stocking. Yeah, which is a sock. I got a sock socks in my sock. That's right. Uh, hi everybody. Uh, we hope you had a wonderful holiday season uh whether you celebrate christmas or hanukkah or some other day some other holiday uh the solstice perhaps or, or if, if you just had a nice tuesday that's right uh whatever it was uh we hope you had a nice one and and new year's is right around the corner uh we hope you have a wonderful new year as we go into 2024 uh, before we get into what we do here on Every Story Ever, where we rank comics from best to worst. I do want to make one note uh, for folks. Not everybody listens to the regular show as timely as they listen to Every Story Ever. So I wanted to get up front here at Every Story Ever that it is the time to submit Gordy categories for our annual award show. That will be our first episode of 2024. Uh, so the way you do that, it's it's an award show where we pick the winners, but you, the listeners, submit the categories. We will be recording that on January 11th. So you have, between now and then, approximately two weeks to get in your Gordy categories. Send them to warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, just pick a category for us to choose an award winner for uh, for the year 2023, and uh, then we will do that on our like, it can, award show. It can be anything. Yeah, it doesn't have to be comics. It can be anything. It could all like it could be best use of dog. Sure, but it could also be like, what's a good comic? It can be. Anything within the realm of what we talk about on the show. <laughs> Don't make it, like, political. But aside from that, anything from movies, TV, video games, comics, any of that stuff, send in your Gordy categories, uh, and, uh, and we will happily uh, use most of the ones submitted, unless there's, like, usually the only ones I leave out are ones that are repeated. So, 
And and also Matt doesn't want to get into his hardcore monarchist politics on the show. It's quite the opposite. Down with monarchy. Stupid kings. <laughs> Here's what we do on Every Story Ever. We rank comics on a big list from best to worst. Chris, would you like to give an update on the state of the Every Story Ever list as it currently stands? I would, Matt, and since this is this is our last one of the year, I think I should go through the entire list. Number one. <laughs> Spider-Man, if this be my destiny, slash the final chapter from Amazing Spider-Man numbers 31 to 33, from 1965, from Marvel Comics, by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Number two, Batman Year One, by Frank Miller and Dave Maskelly, Batman numbers 404 to 407, from 1987, DC Comics. It's the original number one. Number three, Pluto. But Matt, you gotta stop me or else I'm gonna do this until you stop me. I was gonna do a bit where... You read like the top ten, and then it cut to you doing like the bottom three, and I would be like, I edited that a little bit. That's pretty funny too. Yeah. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, the bottom three we got: Doomsday Clock, Holy Terror, and then at the very bottom of the list is Identity Crisis by Brad Meltzer and Rex Morales. Uh, and there are fifteen hundred and one. Comics 1,501 comics. Identity Crisis is at number 1,501 on the list currently. Uh, so, Chris, what do you say? Let's get to it. Let's get to our first list. All right, let's do it. Uh, this comes to us from Ian Groovy, who this is Ian's first submission for the Every Story Ever list uh, ever. Uh sent in September of 2022. And the first one on Ian's list is Judge Dredd America by John Wagner and Colin McNeil. That's good. That's good. That's good comics. That is, I would say one of the classic Judge Dredd stories. Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a top tier. Uh, JD. It's TTJD. For sure. <laughs> uh, America is, is the name of a character. It's yeah. it's not... A, I mean, it's set in the United States as it stands in Judge Dredd. The Judge Dredd universe. Uh, but America, as noted in the title, is a, a character, a, a person uh, named America Jara. I thought her name was America Beanie. Uh, it's Bennett Beanie and America Jara. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah so, but he, here's the, folks, here's a little trick. You're like, oh, is this a story about America the country? And we said, no, 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 it's a story about a, a person named America. And you're like, oh, okay. You might want to watch your step because I'm about to pull this rug out from under you. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's also a story about America, the country. That's true. In a larger sense, it is about America, the nation. Metaphorical sense. It's a story about the country of America. That's right. Did that just fuck your mind up? Probably it did. should. Probably did. No, it's really good, though. It's the, the, uh, the America 
the story of America, the character, is, like, it continues throughout, like, it, like she is still a character, as far as I know, in Judge Dredd today. Like, she comes back because Judge Dredd moves in kind of real time. Yes. Which is an interesting thing you can do with a weekly comic. Uh, you can, like... She shows up and then becomes a judge and is, if not the primary reason, certainly one of the major reasons that Judge Dredd starts re-examining his own uh, fascist ideology. Well, here's one reason you might have thought her name was America Beanie, because here's what happens in this story. Uh, I'll let you and the listeners know. Uh, the exact details of this story, the first appearance of of America Jara. Uh, so she comes to despise the judges. Like we we basically see her entire life story, and uh, she wants to. She she doesn't like the judges because they've they're taken fascists. away people's yeah they're fascists they've taken away people's freedom. Right. So, but she's also frightened of them. She's like terrified of them because they're fascists. Yeah. So, um, this guy, Bennett Beanie has known her for a long time and is in love with her. And he eventually becomes a very rich music musician, like a pop star. And he runs into America one night and, She's like dressed like a sex worker, but it's a disguise because she and a group of basically rebels are going to kill some judges that night. Like she's joined like a a separatist group who wants to kill judges. And uh, in the violence of the night, Bennett gets shot through the throat. But he doesn't die. He's like saved through medical science. And so America comes to visit him with flowers and they like talk way into the night. And she talks about how uh, she's, she hates the judges and she's joined essentially a separatist terrorist organization called total war. And they're going to blow up the statue of Liberty. (laughs) Subtle symbolism. The, the, that's what I really appreciate about 2080 in general, and John Wagner in particular, is how deftly subtle he is. That's right. Um, so Bennett turns around and narks on Total War, on the group, and tells them what they're going to do. But as part of the deal to squeal, he says, he gets them to say that they'll save America's life. Uh, But she's only kind of saved, her life is only kind of saved nominally. She gets shot by a squad that's led by Judge Dredd. I don't think she gets shot by Judge Dredd specifically, but she gets shot by a, a squad of judges. And she becomes brain dead. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the story, America goes on stage, like, because 
there's a frame story where at the beginning of this, America is about to go on stage and you don't know who she really is then. But then at the end of the story, America goes on stage, but she's not America's consciousness. She's Bennett's consciousness in America's body. Right. So the America who becomes a judge later and who is a continuing character throughout Judge Dredd is both America genre uh, Jara and Bennett Beanie. Uh I think it's I think it's their kid. It's their kid? I think America Beanie's their kid. Well, America Jara becomes Bennett Beanie because his brain gets implanted in her body. Yeah, and then yeah. And then I mean th- this this part is kind of whack like i i think i say kind of whack but oh you're right it is it is her daughter it is her daughter i can't remember if it is implied that he that bennett beanie impregnates her after she becomes brain dead and he takes over her body then giving birth to she got shot yeah i i'm not sure either um it would be wild if he Goes into her body and then gives birth to their child. <laughs> yeah. So that's America Beanie, who then becomes a judge. Right. Okay. Th- th- that makes sense now. America Beanie is a different character uh, who, who yes, later becomes a judge. Yeah. So, th- like, but it, it's all a connected story starting here. Uh, this is not my my favorite part of it. Like I actually really like the story where America Beanie becomes a judge and like works with dread and dread who, you know, famously does not care about justice. It is solely concerned with the law, mm-hmm. uh, like starts to question that idea. Like that's extremely good stuff. Um, this story is, is it is good like our, our summary of it i don't think does it justice i no i i think you're right it's it's i was just kind of reciting the events of the story it's a lot more about the idea that somebody can be radicalized into being you know fu- fully a terrorist a terrorist and if you see it from their point of view, their perspective makes total sense. And like, there's definitely a reading of this story to be like, you know, America is totally right to feel the way she does and to do and to, you know, act in the way she does. Um, And, and dread in this story. And I mean, then the judges in general, are just fully in the wrong. Like, yeah, I, I feel like this story is John Wagner, like getting tired of somebody being like, Hey, is judge dread kind of the bad guy? Like, I feel like this is the story where he's like, yeah, everything you just said, except the word kinda. Yeah. He's, he's like, the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. He's bad folks. Folks. He's bad. Uh, 
<laughs> the system he works for is terrible. Have you not gotten that? Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it, 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 we made jokes. The lack of subtlety works in its favor. For sure. Also, in most 2000, like Judge Dredd stories in particular. This story, I, I think it was originally published in 2000 AD magazine, mm-hmm. but it's been republished in a lot of different forms over the years since then, uh, with like color art. It, or maybe it was originally published with color art because it looks painted, actually. Yeah. Um, but the art by Colin McNeil is great. It's it's a great looking story. Like it's it's got this like I like it's a 2008 AD aesthetic, but it's also just this like very cool late 80s early 90s steampunk look to it, like above and beyond what's in 2000 AD. Um it looks really good. Yeah, um that that panel where uh uh the the statue of justice which is a statue of a judge that looks like judge dread yes which is four times taller than the statue of liberty is in the background then there's the statue of liberty then there's judge dread standing over uh america jara's body as she is uh bleeding out on the steps of the uh statue of liberty covered in an american flag <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful and encapsulates the subtlety of this. <laughs> uh, Very much so. But yeah, like like it's it's good. Like, uh, and, and usually when it's uh, when it's reprinted, I know the version of it that I had uh, that I have is uh, like it collects this story, but then it also has like the uh, America Beanie becoming a judge stories. Right, uh, which are are really good, but yeah, like the Colin McNeil art is like really beautiful. I think. Okay, so when America goes to visit, uh, Bennett after he gets shot in the throat, that's when they have sex. So. Presumably, that's when America Beanie is conceived. Okay. But there's no sense of how much time there is between then and when America gets shot and becomes comatose slash brain dead. So, I again, it's hard to know when their daughter was actually born. It is, it is an, a slight ambiguity that could have some real that could make this story a lot worse but i <laughs> yeah. don't like i don't like i bring that up because i think it's meant like it's mentioned in like the wiki article that i was looking at to make sure that i remembered america beanie properly uh but i don't remember that being a part of the story explicitly so if if i'm wrong about that this story is worse than we're talking I, about well, I don't think the original intent was for America to have a daughter in the first story. The daughter is a creation of a later story. Yes. 
which is also by John Wagner. Yeah. But but he came up with that idea that they would have a daughter later. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, yeah, it's 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 good stuff. It is. It's good. Uh it's it's not my favorite Judge Dredd story cuz you know, it's it's just I like it when they're I like it when they're a little more explicit about what they're doing. <laughs> the apparently it is John Wagner's favorite Judge Dredd story. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Cuz it is one that like I said he keeps revisiting. Yeah. Uh, and bringing back the character of America Beanie and making her a major character and using her because like even even uh like even like Judge Anderson doesn't impact like dread is it doesn't like reflect the problems of the society back at dread in the way yeah. that that America does because America's like hey I'm a judge and I I am very good at what I do and and I am a very good judge in terms of being effective at my job but this is like fucked up right <laughs> In the original story, there's not much sense that Dredd regrets anything that happened with America. But I think maybe in the later stories, he comes to regret it. Because of America Beanie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Here are some other Judge Dredd stories on our list currently. And we can see how this ranks against those. Uh, at number 106 is Judge Dredd, Choose Your Own Xmas. That's which was one. very fun. That was a fun one. Uh, the Apocalypse War is at 465. That's a really good one. Day of Chaos is at 467. That's also a really good one. I like all of those better than I like America. The Cursed Earth is at 486. I, I think I might like it more than I like the Cursed Earth. Well, I like all the later stuff. Yeah. But the first story, still pretty good. The but I don't know at, if I like it more than I like the Cursed Earth. At number 564 is Judge Death Lives. That one's also really good. Yeah. Uh, the Day the Law Died is at 897. That one's also pretty good. I think this one is as good as that. Yeah, I, I think I think this America's probably better than that. Yeah. So that puts that means we're somewhere between five sixty four and eight ninety seven. Right, narrowed, narrowed it down quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I'm scrolling up. Uh, I think this is going to be in the eight hundreds somewhere. Yeah, like I is this as good as Revenge of the Sinister Six? Probably not. I mean, I'm looking even lower down. It's not as good as the Order, which is at eight fifty two. I think it's better than that. Than the Order, than Marvel's The Order. Yeah, I li- look. I like the Order, but the, I I do think this is a good story. I like the Order a lot. I okay. It's definitely okay. It's definitely better than Spider Man showing everybody Doomsday's dick, though. Where's that on the list? 831. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. It's probably better. It's probably better than Blind Justice. 
I would I would put it just below Revenge of the Sinister Six, which I know is higher than you want to put it. That's uh, that's okay. That's okay. It, you're putting it above Mudband too. Yeah. All right. So I don't think Paul would be mad at that. The new number eight twenty one is Judge Dread America. All right. Uh, next up on Ian's list is Savage Dragon Emperor Dragon by Eric Larson. I haven't read it. Me neither. I, I think I've I, read like I've read like the first arc of Savage Dragon, and that's it. I have not read a huge amount of Savage Dragon at all. Uh, I, I, there's a couple issues I've I've seen panels from because you have to have if you were yeah, on the internet when those comics were coming out. But what if what if what if God said a cuss? Uh huh. And then what if also you saw some some real sex stuff? If you saw Savage Dragon's jizz all over the page. Next on Ian's list is Judge Dread Necropolis by John Wagner and Carlos Escara. Uh rules. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I don't need to go get the I don't need to go get the uh the the machine for that one. I can just tell you. It rules. That is, is that the first Dark Judges story? Uh, I believe, I don't think it's the first one. I believe that's the one with Gaze into the Fist of Dread. I think you're right, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's the, it's the second. Uh, well, oh, no, no, no. Necropolis is the one that comes after Day of Chaos. Oh right. Okay. Oh, yes. 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 Oh, no, no. No. That's also wrong. Okay. Where That's is this also wrong? Which story is this? It's not either of the ones I was thinking of. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I know I've read it though. Let's see. This story was released in 1990, so it was the same year as America. That's a good time to be reading Judge Red. It was a great time to be reading Judge Dredd. Um, it comes right after Tale of the Dead Man. In right, which... I, I, have, I, have, I have pulled the book off the shelf. It is right after Judge Dredd resigned. And... Oh, this, this is the one where the Dark Judges come to Mega City. Like all, all four of the Dark Judges come to Mega City One, and they basically destroy it. Right. Okay. Like this is the start of the original idea of Mega City One being that it went from New York to Atlanta, and this <laughs> is the start of it being like, no, it is going to basically like we are going to cut it back to a, a third or a quarter of that original size just by having this much death in it. Because this happens, then the Day of Chaos stuff happens, you know, 10 or 12 years later. Uh, or 20 years later, I guess, 1990. Wow, 1990 was a long time ago, Matt. It, it, it sure was. It sure uh, was. But yeah, like, they they this is the one where the Dark Judges show up and fuck up Mega City 1. Which I, which I was confusing with the one with Gaze into the Fist of Dread. Uh-oh. So I think my first instinct was correct. I just didn't know what actually happened in it. Uh, 
What what is the story that gazes into the fist of dread? You idiot! Which one is the one that gazes into the fist of dread happens in? That is the that's uh, an earlier story that because Brian Boland draws that. Right, right. That one's got to be from the eighties. Yeah. So this is is this is the one where. uh, Yeah, Judge Death was introduced in nineteen eighty. Yeah. So this is the one where it's just like a ton of of Mega City getting killed and Judge Dredd has to fight the Dark Judges. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. This one's I should reread this one, actually. This this one's good. It's been a minute, obviously. Yeah, it's there's so much Judge Dredd, and there's so many distinct stories that it is hard judge death lives is the one with gaze into the fist of dread yeah that's like the second judge uh, judge death story and uh we've ranked that already yeah uh yeah so this one is considerably later than that yeah it's good this is good this is good yeah I, f- I feel like this should be a catch-up candidate because I do want to reread it before we get into talking about it, and it is a 26-part story. It's a long one, and yeah, our memories of it are at best fuzzy. I have, in fact, read it before. I do know it's good, it's, but I, I want to I, I want to revisit it. It's kind of the opposite of America in some ways. In that, like, America was the story where it was like, hey, just so you know, Judge Dredd's the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. This is a story where it's like, like, J- Judge Dredd's not a good guy, but he's not the only bad guy. He's not the bad guy. Yeah. You he's know what like, I mean? He's still the protagonist of the comic. <laughs> right. And, and he's and doing what- worse things. Yeah, he's doing what he can to stop the Dark Judges. Yeah. Um, even though not everything he does is good in the story. Uh, okay. Well, catch up for January and February are booked. But let's tentatively say maybe we should do Necropolis in October. Ooh, that would be a good, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Because it is, it is kind of spooky scary. It, any story with the Dark Judges is spooky scary. Yeah. So, remind us, everybody, we're doing Judge Dread Necropolis for October 2024 catch-up. Uh, okay. So, there are some backups on Ian's list. Two of them are Savage Dragon stories that we have not read. Unless you've read Savage Dragon number zero. Uh, did you have to get that from Wizard Magazine? That would have been one half. Mm, well, then no. Okay. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they did zeros. But then also, as a backup on Ian's list, is Fist of the North Star Volume 1. Yeah, I've read that one. All right, Baronson. I have, in fact, read that one. I have a copy of that one that was sent to me by David Brothers. <laughs> Uh, and when I was rearranging my office, I, I left that one on the shelf, buddy. 
I was like, hell yeah. There's, God, there's a new version of Fist of the North Star, and I really kind of want to get it. Like, it's in hardcovers. It's very pretty. Here's my question, Chris, about Fist of the North Star. Yes? Is Volume 1 a distinct story? I mean... Kind of? It's it's tough. It's tough to say. It's it's because <laughs> here's the thing: Fist of the North Star is kind of all one story, but there yeah. are parts where it's like much like Berserk. There's parts where it like you get flashbacks and and other stuff. Like it it, it definitely. It definitely has distinct stories within it. I don't know if Fist of the North Star Volume 1 is one of those distinct units. Okay. So, can we rank Fist of the North Star Volume 1? I... I don't know. I don't think we can. Like, what is the first story of Fist of the North Star? Give us, okay. Give us chapter numbers. And, and I, and we will rank them. Okay. That's, that seems reasonable. I, I just know, like, a single volume of manga is rarely a story. <laughs> Maybe I should just buy all of it. I don't I don't have the I don't have room for those hardcovers on my bookshelf, Matt. There's eleven of them. Yeah. But maybe I should just get them digitally. They're on sale right now. I could get I could get them right now. Uh, you could. You could. Uh, it's like Berserk. Like, I want those hardcovers, but I have no idea where I will put them all. Yeah, it's like four feet of, of bookshelf real estate. It really is, yeah. Okay, well, Ian, I, as exciting as it is to talk about Fist of the North Star, I don't think we can say Volume 1 is a story. Give uh, for like you are getting special dispensation to re-step to the front of the line with chapter numbers and I will I, I am getting the new versions right now. Okay. Okay. Done and done. Uh, Chris, here's our next list. It comes to us from Jolene. I don't think we can rank any of these. Okay. But I will read them out. It depends on whether you've read Batman Wayne Family Adventures. I have not, believe it or not. That is the webtoon Batman comic, ongoing webcomic by CRC Payne. 
Yeah, I have not read it. Like, I'm I'm not for any like reason, but I just don't like think about it. Sh- should I? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a great question. It is it is about Duke moving into Wayne Manor. Oh, I, I like Duke. Yeah. Uh, it it's sort of. It's sort of like a, I think the idea is like it's it's like a family drama instead of like a full on superhero story. Right, right. So I, it sounds like maybe it sounds like something you would like. I think Chris, but uh, I mean, look, I never. I, you have said several things that I like. It's it's something I similarly just never think about. <laughs> like I never think about webtoon. All that much. Don't think about webtoon line. That's right, webtoon line. Uh, so there are two chapters of Batman Wayne Family Adventures, forty-two and forty-seven, on Joan Lean's list, and then there's an issue of Catwoman by Jim Ballant <laughs> that we definitely <laughs> haven't read. People keep wanting us to read Catwoman by by Chuck D and Jim Ballant. One person. Hey, hey, Matt. Yeah. Uh, just to let you know, in the year 1990X, the world was engulfed in nuclear fire. It was. Yeah. Uh, it's, what it's, happened was, in the year 1980X, Bronson saw Mad Max. And specifically, he saw, specifically, he saw the Road Warrior. The Road Warrior, yeah. Yeah. Everyone and, should play the Fist of the North Star game that's on PlayStation, by the way. Like, original PlayStation? No, on, on like, uh, on PS4, PS5. The one that is made by uh, the studio that makes uh, the Yakuza slash Like a Dragon games. Because oh. it is exactly that, but you are doing Fist of the North Star shit. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. You, you might be asking yourself, Chris... Do you tell people in that game what they may or may not already be? The answer? Yes. Okay. Sorry, Jolene. We could not rank any of those. Uh, Let Chris know if Batman Wayne Family Adventures is a thing he should read. Yeah. Matt, what if we just stop recording right now and I just go read Fist of the North Star for the rest of the day? I'm on vacation. I, I am also on vacation. We are recording this podcast out of the goodness of our hearts and because people pay us to record them on that's true patreon uh so i think we need to finish before you you go read fist of the north fine sorry Sorry. here's a list from gregory luther who has some spidey stories for for us to rank we do like that guy that's yes uh, first up is Amazing Spider-Man numbers 568 to 573, New Ways to Die by Dan Slott and John Romita Jr. That is the book, that is the story, that introduces anti-venom. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. I I like anti-venom. No, I think anti-venom is a good idea. I actually think anti-venom is the best idea related to venom. In a long time. I will say this. I think Dan Slott 
and I mean this purely and solely complimentary, Dan Slott has the best dumb ideas in the history of Spider-Man. Oh, he had some great dumb ideas. Like, truly great dumb ideas. Like the Red Goblin? The Red Goblin's great. Red Goblin's dumb as hell, and is great. Uh, Superior Spider-Man? A great dumb idea. Yes. Yes. Like, we were blessed by getting what if Dr. Octopus was Spider-Man, and what if Batman was also the Joker at the same time, and both of those actually being good? Yes. <laughs> uh, what's good anyway, about anyway, Andy Venom is a fucking hoot. What's good about New Ways to Die is it's a great example of the shared Marvel universe from around 2008, 2009. Uh-huh. Because the Venom in that story is Matt Gargan Venom, who is part of the Dark Avengers at that time. Yes. So the Dark Avengers are all up in that book. Dark Rain. It's in part of Dark Rain, yeah. But you gotta add that to the you gotta add that to the list of things we say like that. Oh yeah, Dark Rain. So it's it's Mac Gargan Venom and he's going after Eddie Brock. Um just kind of like terrorizing Eddie Brock. And that's when Eddie becomes anti-venom. And Eddie doesn't quite understand what's going on. And then it's revealed, you know, throughout the book that like why this is happening. Like Eddie has basically developed Ventum antibodies that keep him, you know, that that allow him to be able to fight Venom, uh, you know, more effectively. And um, it is a very fun story. It's oh, I forgot that also. Uh, oh, who was who was the the guy who was like like a green go- like a goblin, but he wasn't a goblin, but he had those like little cut off horns on his head, and he rode a glider. I do not remember. Who you are talking about? Ah, damn it! Uh, I gotta look it up. Um, it was like the sort of like because the, around this time the Phil Urich Green Goblin came back, but it wasn't him, right? It was Menace. 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 Now I remember who you're talking about. Okay, yes, Menace, who ended up being Lily Hollister. Uh, oh yeah, and then the Phil Urich Green Goblin is in there, and I think there's a whole thing with like Martin Lee and Feast by the end of the story too. So it's just like all the stuff that's going on in Spider-Man comics and Marvel comics in general is kind of in this story about Eddie Brock becoming anti-Venom. <laughs> that 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 all happens in Spider-Man. In Marvel's, in Sony's Marvel Spider-Man Two, for the PlayStation Five. That's right. That's right. It all it all comes back to that. Uh, because yeah, because 
the way we get anti-venom is Martin Lee uses his Mr. Negative powers. I, that, that's right. I forgot that, that Martin Lee was such an important part of that. Yeah, because uh, Eddie Brock still got like, some venom up in him. Right. Because uh, he didn't know what hit him. So he's got venom. And, and he, he, <laughs> he uses it on Eddie Brock and turns Eddie Brock into anti-venom who has the ability to to heal venom stuff. So he like gets all the leftover venom stuff out of Spider-Man's body and then also gets it out of Matt Gargan and that's the Venom symbiote that's eventually how we get to Agent Venom. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like definitely Martin Lee using his power because I think that this is also where Eddie Brock like Eddie because Eddie Brock has cancer and when he gives up the Venom symbiote he starts like his cancer starts progressing again. And so the anti-venom when when Martin Lee gives him like gives him his negative powers. Well, he, of venom. <laughs> he tries to he he tries to cure Eddie's cancer. Martin Lee does. Yeah. And in the process he creates venom antibodies in Eddie's blood. Which then become anti-venom. Yes. Yeah. It's dumb, but it's great. <laughs> oh, it's, it's very dumb, and talking about it is very fun. Yeah. I actually like that story a lot. I think it's a great example of that period of Spider-Man. Yeah. It, it, it's... I, I think you nailed it when you said, like, it's such a snapshot of that point in the wider Marvel Universe. Because... That's a thing that I really like about it. And it, it it is this thing where, like, yeah, this is when the Dark Avengers were happening, and and also, like, the brand new day stuff of Aunt May working at Feast was happening, and Martin Lee is Mr. Negative, and, and also Venom's a different guy. Uh, and so Spider-Man oh. is kind of, like, at the center of this world, as he they weren't the They weren't the Dark Avengers at this point. They were the Thunderbolts at this point. Oh, right, right, right. When did they become the Dark Avengers? Because Norman Dark Avengers Osborn was still around. Like, Norman Osborn right. was definitely, like, in charge of everything. Dark Avengers might have been a little later. But this is just prior to Dark Avengers when they were the Thunderbolts. Yeah. And but, I'm pretty sure this is the first Dan Slot is the new, like, bi-week, uh, bi-monthly, twice-a-month Spider-Man writer. Because this comes right, like right on the heels of the end of the brand new day era, if memory serves. It was the end of the brain trust, the Spider-Man brain trust. Brain trust, yeah, yeah. Which was also a pretty good, pretty good time for Spider-Man. True. No, I, I think this this story is a ton of fun, and it's got it really does have everybody in it. Like, it's got. Uh, Songbird and Bullseye and Radioactive Man and Ben Urich is here representing Frontline. It's got Freak in it. Remember Freak? I remember Freak. It's got uh, it's got uh, oh the the lady who's menace who you already said. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's got Spider-Man fighting Bullseye, which is like a really fun fight that we never see. And again, it's all in service of the status quo at the end of this story is that Eddie Brock is anti-Venom. Yeah. Which will change pretty quickly, but uh, I think is a very fun thing. There's at least one more story after this where anti-Venom plays a big part. Yeah. And uh, it's the, it's like the big, uh, like come to Jesus. Um, oh no, they're they're still doing the brain trust at this point. Are they? I thought this was the big launch of of Dan Slott, but I guess that's incorrect. There are uh, Joe Kelly and Zeb Wells stories immediately after this. Oh, okay. Well then, never mind. Oh, and the the Mark Wade collapsing subway story is after that. Oh, well, I'm extremely wrong. I suppose. Uh, and then there's a Roger Stern story. I'm looking for the one that also has the the next one with anti venom in it, which is like the big uh, Norman versus Harry story. Mm-hmm. Where by that point Norman is Iron Patriot. Uh, but I forget what I forget what that story was called. But anti venom's a big part of that one too. Um, anyway, new ways to die. New ways to die is really fun. Uh, let's find a spot for it on the list. Let's see. Um, I mean, we've got so much Spider-Man on the list. We do have a lot of Spider-Man. Like, I would say this list is, if we were to graph it, this list is mostly Spider-Man. Well, not in terms of like being fifty one percent, but he is definitely represented more than any other character. I just did a find and replace search, and there are one hundred and ten instances of Spider Man. I yeah, I I have one hundred and forty five, but I also have like uh, the issue numbers and everything in here. So yeah, so if those one hundred and ten all represent an entry, he's not quite ten percent of the list. Here's my question, Matt. At number 764, mm-hmm. we have Amazing Spider-Man number 300, Venom. Is Anti-Venom, in your view, better or worse than Venom? Better, but I, the first Venom story is probably more important. If that makes okay. sense. At 766, a mere two spots below that, we have Ultimate Spider-Man Venom. Is Anti-Venom better than Ulti-Venom? Unquestionably, yes. So so it goes above or below Hulk Future Imperfect? Below. I think it's the new 766, just above Ultimate Spider-Man Venom. All right. Uh, So Spider-Man, New Ways to Die... And I'll put in parentheses, Amazing Spider-Man. It's 568 to 573. It's wild that Dan Slott, like, Dan Slott is writing this 
story in Spider-Man. And then like his last issue of Amazing Spider-Man is 801. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much. That's so much. I mean, he wasn't writing all of those. I don't think he got he became like the regular writer as you said until maybe 600 or something like that. But even then, that's like 200 straight issues. And no. he was writing as part of the Brain Trust before that. Yeah. It's so much. And yeah. that's not I like Superior Spider-Man is not included in that number. That's true. Superior Spider-Man was separate from that. Yeah. I don't think he okay, it looks like he didn't take over as the regular writer until maybe 619 618 619. But nonetheless, that's that's a long It's still a grip of Spider-Man. A long stretch, yeah. Okay, because I think he st- his first story as like the writer of Spider-Man was The Gauntlet. Remember The Gauntlet? I do remember The Gauntlet. Uh, I think that was his first, like, I am the writer of Spider-Man now. Uh, okay. Next on the list from Gregory is Ultimate Spider-Man number 66 through 67, Freaky Friday which is a story with Wolverine. Oh, I have read that. I'm going to have to remind myself of what happens in that story. Um, he switches bodies with Wolverine. That I, I kind of, uh, remember. Uh, I mean, that's, that's it, Matt. (laughs) That's what happens. And it's like, a like the, the, Remember how the Ultimate books used to have like the little uh, borders on the covers on the side, and it would give you like the story title under the issue number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get this. <laughs> oh, but are, are you, you're sitting down, right? I am sitting down. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't don't drink anything. If you got to take a drink, take a drink now. Okay, hang on. Okay, go ahead and take a drink. Okay, I took a drink. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> the cover of this one, like this, <laughs> like the story title for this one, <laughs> it says, "Even we don't believe this." Oh, do you want to hear the one for sixty-seven? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this one, <laughs> Chris. This one. Oh man. <laughs> don't. Uh, don't don't choke on anything, okay? Okay. Like, don't ingest anything while I say this. It says, <laughs> on 67, it says, jump the shark. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. I laughed so loud that it, that it agitated my dog. Yeah, I can hear her. I can hear her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this story I forgot happened. In Ultimate Spider-Man, and it's 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 wacky because like the the recap page has like Brian Bendis on it, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Brian Bendis, and we're having a wacky time." This is this is the, this is a weird one. This is a weird one. What's weird in this is that when Wolverine wakes up in Spider-Man's body, like Mary Jane comes over and like makes out with him a little bit, and then we get like this zoom on Spider-Man's face, and he's like grinning and everything. 
Um, and she's like 15. Mm-hmm. And also, like, when Peter wakes up in Wolverine's body, the first thing he does is look at his dick. And he also looks yep. shocked and horrified. Which, yep. do we, like, do we... I mean, like, why? Like, what is the... Like, what is... What are, what are you trying to tell us, Brian? About the relative situations of Peter Parker and Lucky Jim Howlett. Well, this by this point in Ultimate X-Men, they had given up on Wolverine not just being regular Marvel Wolverine. Yeah, he doesn't even have a soul patch anymore. He's just Wolverine here. Just Wolverine. And do you remember why... And how they switched bodies. No. But I bet it's I bet it's I bet it's funny. Uh Jean Grey. Uh-huh. So at one point, Wolverine and Spider-Man, after some hilarious antics, where Wolverine doesn't know how to swing on a web. Oh uh, well, why would he? Yeah. Um Wolverine and Spider-Man finally meet up and they're like, we got to figure out how to get out of this situation. And Wolverine's just like annoyed about it. And Spider-Man in Wolverine's body is like, I didn't do this and I'm going to try to fix it. Um, But then they see a guy like robbing a bank and they try to stop him. And then the X-Men show up and Jean Grey says, stop hitting on me, Logan. I told you to stop hitting on me, Logan. I told you that you hit me, hit on me one more time, I was going to do something mean to you with my incredibly powerful psychic powers. So I put your brain in the place it least wanted to be. Your brain picked this. So she switched there. And then, and then folks, <laughs> folks, you might want to sit down. You might want to sit down. I'll give you a minute to finish your drink. Okay, make sure you swallow. Yeah. Jean says that she switched Spider-Man's brain with Wolverine's. And Cyclops says, you can do that? And she says, just go with it. This then the end of this story. The last thing that happens in this story is is Mary Jane hugs Peter and and she doesn't know that he has been Wolverine. Like she doesn't know what's happening. Right. She goes, Can can I ask you something? And he says, Sure. And she goes, That thing you tried to do this morning, can we not do that till we're older? And then the last thing is a panel of a shocked and horrified Peter Parker. So, bud, what, <sighs> Brian? What are you? What are you doing here, man? Is it Jean Grey, like Ultimate Jean Grey, also like fifteen years old? Yes, but I'm pretty sure Ultimate Wolverine is like a hundred. Yeah. 
Also, why did he try to do why did he try to do something to Mary Jane that you have to be older to do? I don't know. He tried to get her to smoke a cigarette. I hope that's what it was. I genuinely hope it was like I like I wanted to have a cigar. Yeah. I feel like every member of the X-Men in this story is woefully out of character. I look I I'm glad Brian Bendis had fun with this. Cuz I feel like he he was working hard at the time and I he, he probably needed, you know, just a little just a little something to to have a little fun with, right? Yeah. To something that not so much pressure, like a little something that's just a fun one. Yeah. So, but why? Why did you? Why did it? Why did you do this? That's why a great did you question. make Wolverine not just like horny for this this teenager, but like freaky horny? Because she's got and red. Like, I, mean, I know what like, she's got red hair. You get it? Because he likes Mary. He likes Mary Jane, and he likes Jean Grey. He likes some. He's ultimate Wolverine pedophile. Is that why Jonathan Hickman had to roll up and be like, no more of this? <laughs> I read, I had to have read, going on 200 issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. And I remember a lot of those stories. This is one I have scrubbed from my memory. I don't remember what my breaking point with Ultimate Spider-Man was, where I was like, I'm not enjoying this. But I, I, I know I was on it for a long time. And I know when you said this story, I had forgotten that it existed, but I definitely remembered it. Like, I feel like this had to be close to where I was like, nah, dog. Nah. I can't I can't keep up with it. Yeah. Yeah. This this is pretty rough. This is pretty I, rough. Because I know I read this as it was coming out. The Hobgoblin story starts in 72, and I don't think I read that. I sh- I sure did. Boy, I sure did. I Who's I kept reading would you this? rather wake up with? Ultimate Peter Parker or Wolverine? Wow, that is an impossible choice. Who dick would you rather wake up with? Because that's what Brian Bendis <laughs> wants you to ask. He's really focused on that. <laughs> it's just, okay. It's just what, like, he looks at, like, okay, I'm get, I'm giving you, yeah, he looks down at his dick. Of course. Because he's trying to figure out what is what the deal is with his new body. But what does this expression mean? I think it means... Hey. Wild, wild dick. <laughs> hey, tight dick player. <laughs> hey, this is, this is one... This is a dick I was not expecting. There was a time in Marvel Comics... Where they they just wanted to like they were obsessed with telling us about the characters' dicks. 
I guess so. I guess it was around this time, around like 2004. Yeah. Like, because like, this is not the only story I can think of where like there's like explicit like canon references to like people's dongs. Oh, I guess this would have been 2000 because Ultimate Spider-Man started in 2000, right? Uh, yes. So this would have been. But it came out often. Five and a half years later. I, don't, I guess I, I just think it was it was that far. Because um, it, it was like this book came out, I think, twice a month. Here, I'll just find out when this came out. And then we'll know around the time when Marvel was obsessed with characters' dicks. 2004. 2004. 2004. Which, which is clo- pretty close to when that Avengers issue came out. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Let's not talk about this anymore and just rank it. Which I think it's going somewhat low. In fact, quite low. But is it worse than, like, Avengers Disassembled? No, I mean... I mean... (sighs) I don't know, man. (laughs) Wolverine trying to do some unspecified thing with Mary Jane is not... It makes... It makes it pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, it makes not it. My fave. It really okay, okay. Let's see. Is it worse than at number fourteen? Is fourteen hundred is Angel Punisher? Okay, worse than Angel Punisher? Yeah, probably. Worse than New Fifty Two Shazam? New Fifty Two Shazam is pretty bad. Yeah. Also, from around the same time, at 1402, is Uncanny X-Men She Lies with Angels, which is Chuck Austin's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Also, and again, we can't can't say it enough, so happy for for Chuck Austin these days. Okay, so that issue of Avengers, Avengers number 57, that was October 2002. So earlier, earlier than this. Yeah, but not, but not that much. Like this is two years later. This is October of two thousand four. So weird, weird time in leading up to what is objectively the worst year in the history of comics. Weird time where Marvel Comics is like, hey, what about all these? What about what about uh, this guy's dick? Yeah, what about it? Uh, all right, fourteen oh one is the filth. Which this is the filth? That's true. The filth is a, literally a comic I can never read again. I, w- I would, I would, rather not. Yeah, it's the Grant Morrison comic where I'm just like, no thanks. The, the this comic does. I again, I will give it this. Seems like people are having fun. Yes. So I'm going to suggest that this becomes the new number 1401 under Angel Punisher. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, so I'm just going to say Ultimate Spider-Man Freaky Friday and it's numbers. You don't want to use the official, the official name of the story? <laughs> Even we don't believe this. And then Jump the Shark? Yeah. Uh, no, we'll just call it Freaky Friday. Uh all right, that's at the new number 1401. 
the last story on the list from Gregory Luther is Planet of the Symbiotes from 1995 Spider-Man Super Specials. I know I read it, but I'm going to have to find it. I I do not remember it. Let's see. It's by David Michelinie, and I think a bunch of different artists. Oh, it was like okay. Uh, it wasn't just in the super special. It was like a five-part story that ran throughout multiple books. So, let's see. It was in... Oh, wait, no. It wasn't super... It was... They were they were a bunch of different super specials. Okay. But there was like... I think there was like Amazing Spider-Man Super Special... Uh, web of Spider-Man Super Special, just Spider-Man Super Special, and so on. Man, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a I'm gonna send you a picture real quick. I'm gonna text you a pic. Okay. I've texted you a pic. All right. Uh, I don't have it. Oh, I just got it. <laughs> These are important questions to ask about that Ultimate Spider-Man story. Yeah, I, I I have a column on my spreadsheet. Matt and I keep separate records of the every story ever list because it's like how the uh, the president and vice president are not allowed to travel together. One of us must always have access to the list, uh, and. Mine, I do have a notes column, and so I made sure to note in our discussion of that amazing Spider-Man or that Ultimate Spider-Man story, um, what's up with Wolverine's dick? Slash is Ultimate Wolverine a pedophile? Two important questions. Yeah, which I would I would love to get answers. If anybody would like to ask Brian Bendis, like not in a mean way, just like because I I. Would just like to know. I think it's an important question to ask, and I would like to know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, there were five super specials that were the various parts of Planet of the Symbiotes. It takes place pretty much immediately after Spider-Man separation anxiety. Mm, another piece of source material for uh, Sony's Marvel Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 5. Wildly enough, yes. So, in the first part of Planet of the Symbiotes, Spider-Man and Venom team up to take on a terrorist group. And Venom is influencing Eddie to kill. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decides to get rid of the symbiote because he doesn't want to do that anymore. He no longer wants to be a lethal protector. He no one. He just wants to be a protector. He doesn't want to be lethal. Okay. So 
when Venom gets separated from Eddie, it lets out a scream that brings a spaceship of other symbiotes to Earth. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it lets out a scream. Yeah. And uh, the symbiotes begin possessing random people who start killing people. So Spider-Man, Venom, and Scarlet Spider, who is around at this time, yeah, boy. Uh, team up to try to stop whatever's happening. Matt, that's my brother. That's my brother, Ben. My brother, my brother, Ben. My brother, Ben. Oh, can't believe he's gone. My brother. My brother, I never to have a brother, and now he's gone. Um, also, there's, he's the, there's a lot of stuff in that first issue with the thing, and he is so weirdly off-model, and I hate it. Is he off-model, or is he pineapple thing? He's not pineapple thing. Okay. He just looks weird. And he's, like, smoking a big cigar, which I know he used to do, but I don't like it. (laughs) People made fun of the fact that, like, you can't smoke in Marvel Comics anymore. But that was a good decision. It was a great decision. Joe Kassama was correct about that. Because it's always weird now when I see, like, Jim Gordon smoking. Because superheroes shouldn't smoke cigarettes. Or cigars or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. At least not until they're older. Yeah. God, I hope that's what he wanted. I really hope that's what he suggested. (laughs) We gotta do this when we're older. So. Come on, MJ. It's, it's, you don't actually, it's, it's, you don't actually breathe in the smoke on a cigar. The symbiotes. The symbiotes are building a machine out of, quote-unquote, Earth components. <laughs> yeah, they are. To make everyone on Earth into symbiotes. To, to make more symbiotes. And then it turns out the Scarlet Spider is wearing one, and they all get dragged in the machine. Venom, Spider-Man, and Scarlet Spider. What's our machine made of? Uh... Just metal. It's it's not also made of Earth component. I mean, I guess metal's an Earth component. It's it is made of Earth components. Yeah. Yeah. So then they are t- in the Spider-Man Super Special number one, and Venom Super Special. They are all taken to a planet full of symbiotes because the machine is a teleporter to that planet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's said here if that planet is Clintar or not. I guess I can look in the actual issue if it says that it's Clintar. Because uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's Clintar or not. But anyway. Uh, so Venom is the one that had attached to Scarlet Spider, and it once again bonds with Eddie Brock and becomes Venom again. And then it tells the whole history of the symbiote race. And Venom was not typical among the other symbiotes because it wanted to bond with a host instead of dominate it. Because back in my and, mind, I was a loser. <laughs> um, and Venom also says that the symbiotes want to conquer Earth. So they're going to try to stop the symbiote invasion force. Uh, Then in Spectacular Spider-Man Super Special, 
obviously Carnage gets released from prison. Obviously. Yeah. Like like legally? No. Extra legally. Okay. By the symbiotes. You, well, you In- the word release. Uh, broken out. Broken out. And I was like, this th- what defense would you have for a serial killer made of knives? Uh long story short, by the end of that issue, Carnage is like Godzilla sized. That sounds great. Maybe I should read this. Because he keeps bonding with other symbiotes. Right. Uh, so he becomes huge. Then finally, in Web of Spider-Man Super Special number one, uh, Spider-Man and Scarlet Spider fight Carnage, uh, and Venom tries to like get control over the other symbiotes. They beat Carnage, and Brock screams. Brock slash Venom, they scream, and it makes it destroys all the other symbiotes. Mm. And by the end of it, Eddie Brock's like, yeah. Uh, And by the end of it, Eddie Brock is like, maybe I will be Venom after all. Learns to accept. Yeah. Um, Story. It's a story about self acceptance. It's not. It's not so good. <laughs> I mean, a kaiju carnage sounds pretty good. I'll I'll tell you this: the art is all over the place in terms of quality. Who who draws it? So it's different artists in all different parts. Okay. Ralph Cab- Ralph Cabrera does part number one, and I'm sorry, it's bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe Saint Pierre. Is on number two. It's okay. Uh, Kyle Hotz draws part three. It's pretty good. Part four is drawn by Derek Robertson. That's, I mean, that's not a bad choice for a Venom story. But that is not who I would have suspected. And then part four is drawn by Steve Lytle, and it looks great. Yeah, I bet. There's a there's a part where Peter is getting out of the shower and he's like toweling off his butt. He's you know like you hold each end of the towel in a different hand and you like dry off your butt. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And Mary Jane is just standing also in the bathroom watching him do this wearing a hoodie and the blowfish t-shirt. <laughs> That's right Columbia's own baby. Yeah. Uh what okay what is Mary Jane's facial expression? In that panel, kind of like circumspect. That's a that is a wild. Here, here's what, Matt. I'm trying to determine what the dick status is. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> well, she's... I want to know if we can find out what what Peter has normally. She's try and work backwards to figure out why he's so horrified. She's completely. She's not focused on the dick whatsoever. She's looking him directly in the eyes. Okay. Here, well, she's probably she's used to seeing it. Yeah, she she's she's seen it by now. Here, I will. T- I'm texting you. I, mean, I hope so. They've been married for a significant amount of time. I'm texting you a screenshot. Okay. All right. T- text me a pic. Okay. Let's see. Oh. 
Wow, that circumspect is a good description of that face. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sexy Peter, though. He's looking good. He's looking good. Okay, here's the thing about this story. It's not good. (laughs) But... It's there are parts of it that are fun because like yeah, it's fun for Spider Man and Scarlet Spider and Venom to fight a kaiju sized carnage. Like, that is a pretty fun idea. Mm-hmm. There are parts of this that are quite fun. The the whole like he just Decides actually, like, at first he's like, I'm not going to be Venom anymore. And then by the end, he's like, maybe I am going to be Venom. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we went in a circle. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is superhero comics, but. I mean, look, you could say that, like, there's a story where Spider-Man decides he's not going to be Spider-Man anymore. And then he decides to be Spider-Man. And that story's and great. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if they ever called the planet Clintar in this, or if that's a later development. I'm pretty sure that's later. Yeah. I think in this it's just like the symbiote planet. The planet of the symbiotes. Oh, that's the title. Yeah. Um, I think this is... Okay. It's an okay story. That is some faint praise. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's the question. I mean, I've, I vaguely remember it. I don't think... You may not have read it at all, Chris. I don't remember reading this, no. I don't know that we can put it above Maximum Carnage. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. There's a lot of things I don't think we should put above Maximum Carnage. I th- I think it is maybe equally good as Maximum Carnage, like on the same general level as Maximum Carnage. If anything, I think it might be a little a little more fun than Maximum Carnage, but I can see why we should put it below it. Uh... Let's see. The longer I get from the last time I've read Maximum Carnage, the better I think Maximum Carnage is. Yeah, that's because when you read it, you're like, oh, right, a lot of this is bad. But it has the maximum amount of Carnage. You could have more Carnage. How? I You could. It, look, the, Carnage is a building size in this. I guess that's true. I guess that... Well, okay. But that's after Separation Anxiety, which was after Maximum Carnage. So, at the time, Maximum Carnage was the most amount of Carnage you could have. Right, but then they proved you could have more Carnage. There were previously theoretical amounts of Carnage. Right. That were realized. That were realized. And that's just progress, Matt. That's just science. That's fair. 
Th- okay, this is better than that Street Fighter comic they had to apologize for. Probably, yeah. I think it's better than New 52 Secret Six. I think it's better than Babe Watch. But it's probably not better than Batman Night Quest. Mm, okay. It is an equally 1995 comic. Although I guess Night Quest was what, 92, 93? Uh, it's about it's it's about 95. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to put this at the new number 1313. All right. Spider-Man, Planet of the Symbiotes. I will say this. The art in the last couple issues of Planet of the Symbiotes, the Derek Robertson and Steve Lytle issues, that art is so much better than anything in Maximum Carnage. By a lot. Okay. All right. We're already shit-talking enough Mark Bagley comics today. <laughs> All right, Chris. Our next list is from Philip Neff. And these are some Simone Bianchi comics. Ooh, I have not read a lot, but we shall see. Well, I know we've read at least one of these. Okay. Uh, the first one on the list is Thanos Rising, written by Jason Aaron. I do not believe I have read that one. I bet it's pretty good. I bet it's pretty good, yeah. This was from 2013. Uh, Also one I have not read. Uh, Perhaps something we should catch up on at some time, at some point. I may Uh, have read parts of this when I was in the industry of writing uh, articles informing people of things they did not know about Thanos. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i i feel like because this is like a thanos not origin story exactly but a story about a younger thanos yeah for the most part i thinking about it i may have read it but i would need to refresh my memory okay for, sure. for now we'll just we'll just uh table it uh, next on the list is Astonishing X-Men numbers 25 through 30, Ghost Box, written by Warren Ellis. I feel like I have read that. I almost have to have read that, but I don't remember it. I have read the comic Ghost Box by Frank Comics. <laughs> so have I. Which is extremely good. <laughs> extremely good stuff. One of their best. One of their best and least problematic, honestly. Okay, so this is this is one of the stories where the X-Men have relocated to San Francisco. I feel like I had to have read this story. Yeah, that but was it, like, that was a, a a weird era for X-Men, because I know I read a lot of those books because Fraction was writing uncanny at the time but i don't remember like gillen starts writing x-men in that time but i don't remember anything about it yeah i'm not uh highly motivated to revisit this comic (laughs) given the writer (laughs) it looks familiar to me but i could not tell you a thing that happened in it Just like not at all. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So as as loath as I am to table another one, I think we got to table another one. This is a, this one is another one among the. I feel like I've read it, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Yeah, category. I feel like we are going to. You, you and I have talked about before on this show about how we are approaching maybe a, a limit of the comics we have read. Which I I don't think we're quite there yet. We've read a lot of these things. Yeah. But people are definitely suggesting more and more that we haven't. However, I feel like we're also butting up against uh that that I don't necessarily have the memory for comics that I did when I was twenty two. That is true. But Same. honestly, that's kind of the only thing I have the memory for anymore. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna shelve that one too. Uh, here's the one I know we've read: Seven Soldiers, Shining Knight. Uh, do you have the machine? The machine's off for Christmas. Yeah, it it took the week off. Um, yeah, we give the machine we give the machine time off for Christmas. Um, uh, but in, in lieu of the machine, I can tell you it rules. It does. I was literally talking about this series today, right before we started recording. I was out, uh, I grabbed a brunch with Ted Anderson, and we got to talking about uh, this, and he brought up that scene where uh, Sir Houston uh, gets up and says, not while one night of Camelot still stands. That's dope. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's Seven pretty Soldiers good. as a whole is so fucking good. So I'm looking at other... Seven Soldiers miniseries that are on our list. the The highest ranked one is Manhattan Guardian at four seventy one. The one that I, I that I love above all. I still think that's the best one. Yes, but this this one's a close second. I think. Well, it's it's hard because Frankenstein's also good. Frankenstein is much lower at eight eighty two. Personally, I think I would rank this one above Frankenstein. But you could you could talk me out of that. I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Matt, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh Yeah, like okay, ranking wise. Manhattan Guardian, number one. Yep. Shining Knight, two. Frankenstein, third. Yep. Clarion, fourth? Clarion's good. Um, We have Mr. Miracle. The four we have ranked are Manhattan Guardian, Frankenstein, the bookends, Seven Soldiers, number zero, and number one. And then... We have Mr. Miracle below that. Yeah. The ones we have it ranked are Zatanna. Zatanna, Bulleteer. Bulleteer. I feel like Bulleteer is last. Bulleteer was probably my least favorite, yeah. Because Bulleteer is the one that kind of like, I get what you're trying, but you're not pulling it off. 
the one we are missing is or we're not remembering oh I guess we've got them all Shining Knight Manhattan Guardian Zatanna Clarion Mr. Miracle Bulleteer Frankenstein yeah Zatanna is fun but it might hmm Like that's a little too much of a, that's a little too much. Uh, like, oh, Grant Morrison doing a a comic about a magic person, and then it's like you remember that the Grant has a lot of opinions on magic. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, But I think we can say Shining Knight is a solid number two after Manhattan Guardian. Yeah, no, Shining Knight is pretty fucking good. It's got Castle Revolving, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so where does it go? It, we know it goes between numbers 471 and number 882. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Yes, sir. In the age to come, she cried. Summers would be flowerless and cows barren. Women would be shameless, men strengthless. There would be trees without fruit, fruits without trees, and seas without fish. The bloody black three times goddess foretold. Old men would give false judgments. Legislators would make unjust laws. Warriors would betray one another. Men would become thieves and virtue would banish from the world. No, not while one night of Camelot endures. It's good shit. Sometimes, sometimes Grant, sometimes Grant shows, puts their worker boots on. No shit. No shit. Yeah. Shows up, shows up to drop some, some fucking comics on you. Okay. Batman number 666 is at 504. I think this is probably better than that. Okay. Is uh, better than Goody Rickles for sure. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Is it better? Th- very comparable to Daredevil fighting that vacuum cleaner. That's where I was going next. Yeah. Yeah. I think Daredevil fighting the vacuum cleaner is a little bit better. Okay, so above or below Giant Days 1 through 4? I would say, well, I think you ranked Giant Days because I haven't read it. I think we did Giant, did we not do Giant Days as a catch-up? Oh, we did do Giant Days as a catch-up in 2020. I don't remember anything about that book. I think Giant Days might be slightly better, but I'll put it above that Peanuts strip. Okay. So, Seven Soldiers, Shining Knight, is the new number 497. Matt, what happens in Giant Days? I would have to, I would have to refresh my memory as well. <laughs> but I remember liking it. I remember liking it a lot. I mean, clearly, it's four, 496 is pretty good on the list. Yeah. All right, we've got maybe 25 minutes left, so... We can try our best to get through another list. Um, Although, well, um, Philip had an alternate, which was Original Sin, numbers 5.1 through 5.5, which is Thor and Loki, the Tenth Realm. But I have not read that yet. Um, Okay. Here's a list from um, Imad Makbul, which is 
this list is one you guys have definitely read, one you probably read, and one that you might not have read due to the transphobia. Hopefully of the book and not of us. Yeah, of the book. I think of the book. Uh, number one is Underworld Unleashed. Uh, I, I love Underworld Unleashed. <laughs> uh, let me, we have not read it, or we have not ranked it yet. So Underworld Unleashed is such a bad idea that is actually like pretty good because it's it was described in the pages of Wizard Magazine as a story where they're going to take all these real morts of the month uh-huh. and then make them better and cooler by having them sell their souls to Neron. The devil of deals, uh, and and so like you get stuff like Killer Moth becoming Charaxis by turning into an actual like moth Mothman, Mothman, yeah, but not not the kind of Mothman that everyone on the internet wants to fuck. <laughs> uh, just for clarity's sake, this is. A comic, a miniseries by Mark Wade and a pre-JLA Howard Porter. Yeah, bud. This is just before JLA. This is in late 1995. And you're like, well, this guy should draw JLA. Yeah, I bet that's what happened. Justice League. I I feel like maybe that is what happened. Yeah, probably. Howard, Howard Porter draws this comic and then it's like... Hey man, do you want to draw? Do you want to draw Justice League? We get we're relaunching Justice League. Do you want to draw it? Yeah, because you gotta you gotta draw a lot of characters in Underworld Unleashed. You really um, do. But this like there's a lot of as there always are in event comics. There's a lot of cleaning up happening in this. Like this is where Lex Luthor gets his body back and stops being weird clone Lex Luthor, where he had like the long hair and the beard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this uh, this is where Blue Devil becomes an actual devil, and not just a guy who's in a devil suit that also is a is, is magically cursed by a real demon. Which I don't know if there was anything like necessarily wrong with Blue Devil at the time, but I can tell you he was complicated. He was yeah. a little little too much for the average reader. Oh man, I just hit a two page spread. That has so many characters on it. Yeah, man. Lost, this is it goes down in Underworld Unleashed. Unbelievable. I would love to know which changes from Un- Underworld Unleashed stuck. Blue Devil. Yeah. Because that's the Blue Devil that winds up in Shadow Pact. Right. Uh, Lex Luthor. It's just never like mentioned again. Right, yeah. But like, Major disaster gets new powers, but then nobody remembers them or does them right anymore. Right. Like after that. Like like Wade gives him like cool chaos theory powers, but those are very hard to write. So nobody winds up using them. But like the transformation into a moth didn't stick. Well, I mean, it kind of did. We just didn't get any more stories about Killer Moth after that. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, not a lot of Underworld Unleashed stuff happened, for, like, for realsies. Um, but there was, like, a good, a uh, really good story with Neron in the pages of Flash. Mark, Mark Wade was really good about writing Neron. Between Mark Wade and Steve Orlando, nobody really, nobody really used that guy. True. True. But I, I do like Underworld Unleashed and the idea of, if I'm the devil in the Detective Comics Comics universe, then I'm going to go to all the supervillains and like and be like, well, hey, what do you, what do you want? Because I know I can make those deals. Because I know that they are very likely to, to agree. Uh, the question is that, like, you probably already got them already. Like, Lex Luthor probably going to hell. <laughs> but, like, I, I think the, the more interesting question is that, like, are there any heroes who would do it? And really, Blue Devil's the only one. And he's like Blue Devil is clearly like on the okay to kill list, you know? Right. Like no, no one is going to be mad at you if uh, if Blue Devil sells his soul to Satan. Maybe Dan Mishkin is going to be mad, but he doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> uh, Bill Willingham, noted Blue Devil fan, Bill Willingham. Yeah, but he but he used he used him with his when he was a like post Underworld Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I, I like Underworld Unleashed. Also, lots of neon green ink. Yeah, man, it's such a it's such a green book. <laughs> if if you are reading, if you're like looking at, uh like images of it or reading it online, you, I don't think get the effect of the fact that it was printed with this neon green ass ink. Uh, because like, that's what they decided. Like neuron neurons, not like a red devil. He's like a green devil. So you get this like super day glow ass ink. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think is kind of fun. It, it definitely makes the book look distinct because it's not a color you see anywhere else. For sure. And I, I like. I think it's. I think it's fun, and I like it when more event comics should have a distinct look. Like make it look different. At least if you can't make it look special, make it look different. Agreed. Well, g- give me a spot for Underworld Unleashed. I feel like this. Yeah, I, I, Mark Wade and how I feel it? like I read this comic in 1995 and don't remember enough about it to really rank it with confidence. But clearly, you can do that. I mean, it's you know, it's ultimately fairly inconsequential, but it's still a Mark Wade, you know, mid 90s Mark Wade, Howard Porter superhero comic. So it's pretty good. Like it's you know, it's 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 gonna get get it done. It's gonna meet a baseline level of quality. Yeah. Uh. So I, I'm I'm looking in the nine hundreds. Uh. I think it's probably better than 
It's better than Power Man and Iron Fist Day of the Dreadlocks, which is at 936. Okay. I think it's probably... It's not as good as Calvin and Hobbes nailing the table, because that's kind of a perfect story. It's a perfect gag. It's a perfect yeah. strip gag. I think it's probably not as good as Loki 2019. It's probably better than, well, yeah, it's probably better than Banana Sunday. Okay, so that would put this at the number 928. Actually, no, hang on. Put it at the new 930, because it's not as good as The Walking Dead 193 being a courtroom drama. Correct, yes. <laughs> the absolute guts of that comic. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say the one that we have not read, and I definitely haven't read it. It's Air Boy by James Robinson and Greg Hinkle. Right, okay, yeah, th- which had the, the definite transphobia controversy Yes, about it, which definitely yeah. turned me off of reading it. Yes. Uh, the one that we've probably read is Batman Annual Number 3 from 2018. By Tom Taylor and Otto Schmidt. Uh, I have not read it. Let's see. I'm going to see... I know we read that one annual that was like all the different days in Batman's life where he was doing like all the different fun, interesting things where it's like, why can't this be the story? That's a Tom King story. That's a Tom King story, but it had like different artists, right? Uh, let's see. Is this the story where Alfred dies? Like, it's all about Alfred. It's all about, like, what Alfred does while Batman is out working. Like, he's at home, like, sewing up his costume and cleaning the the manor and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm trying to all about Alfred. All I can think of is, uh, is, is all about the game. It's all about the game and how you play it. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, it's not the one where Alfred dies, but it is a an Alfred focused story where Alfred has to like come get involved in a Batman mission. Uh but I don't remember having read this. Yeah. And I don't I don't I don't read Tom Taylor comics, so uh yeah, unfortunately unranked. Wait, is this Tom Taylor or is this... You said Tom Taylor. I think I mean... Uh... Oh, maybe it is Tom Taylor. Let me look at the credits. Yeah, it is Tom Taylor. Uh, so, Okay. That one's that one's a no go as well. Uh, there's a couple backups here. 
Uh, one is Marvel graphic novel number 27, Emperor Doom, by David Michelinie and Bob Hall. David Michelinie getting some time in the spotlight. Okay. No uh, I don't think I've read that. Sounds good. I like David Michelinie. I feel like I had to have read Emperor Doom at some point. Um, it was branded as an Avengers graphic novel. Uh, let's see. We're kind of coming up on the end of this episode. I'm going to go back and revisit Emperor Doom, and we'll rank it next time. Okay. Because I know I've read it. I just need to remember it a little better. Um, and then the last one on Imad's list is Saga of the Serpent Crown. Uh, Marvel Comic Annuals 1988. Ah, I... I've read some of those, but definitely not all. That's yeah, that so was, many annuals, dog. <laughs> that was every annual from... That was every annual that Marvel Comics put out that year. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Um, so, okay. I will come back and we'll rank Emperor Doom. Let's see. Saga of the Serpent Crown was... Silver Surfer Annual Number 2, Iron Man Annual Number 10, X-Men Annual Number 13, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 23, Punisher Annual Number 2, Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Number 9, Daredevil Annual Number 4B, Avengers Annual Number 18, New Mutants Annual Number 5, X-Factor Annual Number 4, Web of Spider-Man Annual Number 5, West Coast Avengers Annual Number 4, Thor Annual Number 14, and Fantastic Four Annual Number 22. Folks, if you've been wondering, what are, what is... Too many comics for me to submit. <laughs> it's that many. Yeah, that's a lot. And those can't all be one story. Oh, they're all one story. I they're know. All. They're all part of a, an event, but they're not all one story. I know. I, I've read the Punisher one for sure. Yeah. I, I, I do know that. Oh, I don't think it's the Serpent Crown. I think it's Atlantis Attacks that, like, the what if issue. Is like, well, if Moon Knight and Punisher fucked up, then this whole thing goes bad. Yeah, it's they like they're all side parts of that story, but they are all part of one story, more or less. So that is what it is. Um, okay, folks, we'll come back and rank Emperor Doom at the start of the next one because uh, I would like to do that. But uh, for now, uh, that's going to wrap up this Every Story Ever special. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, be sure to get in your Gordy categories, warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to uh, support these specials and keep them two hours long uh, every single month, uh, you can do that by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash warrocketajax. And you can kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we – uh, do these specials monthly, that we do the regular War Rocket Ajax show, that we do uh, Movie Fighters and Snacks situation, and Comics Catch Up. All that stuff is made possible by your support on Patreon. Um, you can 
get in touch with us on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com or uh, by joining our Discord. Um, you have to be invited to be a member of our Discord, but just ask us for an invitation on Tumblr or by email or on Blue Sky, uh, and we'll be sure to get you on uh, so you can join and be part of the community over there on our Discord. War Rocket Wiki is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Thanks for sticking with us through 2023. Uh, we will be back in 2024 with the Gordies and with some new episodes of War Rocket Ajax and with another Every Story Ever special. We'll be catching up on X-Men Red starting in January. So come back for all of that. Uh, we appreciate it, and we love you. We love you. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yes! From this day on, let every breed of mongrel live together.